Next on Abounding Grace, hear all about the Bible and how it is living and powerful. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Welcome to another week of Abounding Grace. We've been traveling through the book of Hebrews, and today we'll be zeroing in on chapter 4. Now, many people mistakenly believe the Bible is just an old book of stories and fables, but only a little bit of research reveals that it is, in fact, so much more. As we delve into our study today on the Word of God, consider this. After roughly 2,000 years, the historical facts recorded in the Bible have proven to be true. Literally hundreds of its prophecies have been fulfilled. And if you're a Christian, God used it to open your eyes to the truth. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with more about the living, powerful Word of God. Before I got saved, I was a horrible man. I was a horrible man to Marie as my girlfriend. I was a horrible man uh, to Marie as the mother of my child, as a teenager. And I was a horrible man after we got married. And, and even after I got saved, I was still very rough around the edges as a new believer. And I was just so, so uh, eager to read the Bible. So I'm reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible. And I came across this verse that said, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And being the wise, rough around the edges Bible scholar that I was, I got together with Marie, opened my Bible, turned it around, and I said, look, babe, I've been right all along. And you know, we, we can laugh at it today. It, we really can. And Marie was here for service. But it was no laughing matter. Because I had used the Bible against my wife. That scripture wasn't intended to back up my bad behavior. God didn't put that scripture in there intended for me to rule over my wife and treat her like a piece of property instead of the precious woman that she is. But I had used that, that verse in a way to swipe at her. Because I should have kept reading. Because the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the two-edged sword for me. I don't need to be so concerned about my wife and her submission to me. That's between her and the Lord. What I need to be concerned about is how I love my wife unconditionally in the power of the Holy Spirit. How I draw from God all of his love. And I, I am so enamored on how much he loves me and what a failure I am that I might turn around and love my wife and serve her and take care of her and sacrifice for her just like Jesus Christ does for the church. That's the verse for me. Husbands, that's the verse for you. So if you're tr laying this heavy trip on your wife about submission, if that's the big argument in your marriage, I would even say this. If the word submission is actually coming up in your arguments, man, Come and ask for some help because it's not going to be solved that way. Because the word of God to you, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know what I found? I found this in my own marriage, but I've also found it in other marriages, is that when a husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church, when a husband serves his wife, when a husband sacrifices, man, ladies have no problem submitting to a husband that loves. It's not even an issue. There's unity and fellowship in a marriage like that. 
And, and there is a sense where we have to remember the word of God isn't for other people when you open it all the time. It's for you. It's not for you to slice and dice somebody's life and to be hypercritical and judging all the time, but rather allowing the Holy Spirit to bring you into a place where God is speaking into your heart. And I'm grateful over the years God has done a wonderful work in our marriage. And next year will be 30 years. It's just amazing how fast time goes, how gracious God has been with us, how wonderful he has, and how, although we're not perfect, we're certainly not a perfect marriage. There's a lot of love in our home and a lot of submission unto the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing. Number four, not only is, a, is, is the Bible compared to a sword that's sharp, two-edged sword, but it also pierces. Do you see that? <laughs> you know, because swords have tips to them. <laughs> and it pierces. These are some of the reasons why people don't read the Bible. Because you can read a novel and never be convicted. You can read a manual on how to fix a car and never get convicted. But I'm telling you, every single time you open the Bible, it will pierce you if you allow it. Not only that, but notice number five, it not only pierces, but it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Like you and I, we are laid bare before God with the Bible open today. Some of you listening in, whether you're here in this room or you're listening on the radio somewhere, you're like mad at me already in this Bible study. And one of the reasons you're mad is because through the Bible study, God has said something through my lips directly to you from his word that has upset you, thinking that somebody told me about you that it's so precise. And how did he know? I'll just tell you right now, I don't know. Nobody told me about you, but God knows. Isn't that what verse 13 says? Oh yeah, that's exactly what verse 13 says. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden before God today. And I know we all came to church, we all gathered together fully clothed. We are all fully clothed. Praise God for that. We're all fully clothed, but not before God. Everything is open and naked before God today. There is no hidden. You know, this idea of covering up comes to us from our ancestors in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. When they failed miserably and they chose to run away from God, one of the first things they chose to do was to cover up their private parts. That's what the Bible teaches. They were ashamed in their nakedness. And you know, there's a lot of privacy, a lot of private parts of your lives today, a lot of shadows in the closets that you're trying to cover up. And you might be doing a good job right now of covering that private part of your life up from us or from your spouse or from your parents. But the Bible says there is nothing hidden before God. And you know, there's nothing hidden from you either because you know. So you know and God knows. You know, I see this a lot in the body of Christ, this sense of even counsel to cover up. You know, there, there's this counsel, well, you know, as long as you've repented before God, then you don't need to go tell the other people. You know, something happened in a marriage, and you go, well, I repented from God. Should I tell my spouse? And actually, people say, no, don't even tell your spouse. What horrible counsel. Because if you choose not to tell your spouse of something you've lied to them, you're going to live in perpetual dishonesty with your spouse. You need to come clean, not only before God, but before those you've affected. You need to walk in unity with the Lord. You know, it was, a many, it was about 10 years ago in the life of this church and our leadership, and our pastoral leadership and some of the leaders, myself included, that a really dark time came. 
I made some mistakes as a leader. Uh, I, I didn't oversee very well, which created an environment some other guys really didn't oversee very well. And it was just a really bad time. It, and it created time with guys who were lying and deceit. I mean, it's exactly what the enemy would want in a church. And I'm very, very grateful that God stopped it and arrested it and, and gave me the wisdom to lead along with the elders of the church and clean that up and get back on the right track and not live that way anymore and, and not have a leadership that would be so living in the shadows and lying to one another and being dishonest one another and taking advantage. It was a real bad time. And praise God, we're 10 years past it. But after we got through this, God gave me a verse that would be the banner of our leadership. I just shared it with the staff, uh, not this, this last Wednesday. Can you turn over to 1 John chapter 1 with me, please, as we wind down today? 1 John chapter 1. It's very important that we live like this. We live like this in the staff of our church, uh, the pastoral team, the spiritual leadership of our church. It's very important that you live like this with your kids, that you live like this in your marriage, that you live like this in your friendship. You know, one thing that the Bible proves to us, in a culture that values or encourages passive aggressiveness, God is not passive aggressive. He just says it like it is. He just tells you directly. There's no game playing with God. There's no maneuvering. God doesn't manipulate you. He doesn't try to take advantage of you. He doesn't play these games and, well, what about this? And I was just talking to a brother as he was talking about some compliments he received on a recent trip. Uh, there were those that were giving him what are called, I don't know if you've heard this phrase before, but it's left-handed compliments, where it's kind of a compliment, but it's putting another person down at the same time. God doesn't do that. He, he is straight and clean and clear of exactly what he wants from us. And I'm so grateful for that. That, that, that in our lives, we shouldn't be passive aggressive. We should just be honest and open, living in fellowship with one another, that we might be known for our love for one another and our care for one another, that we wouldn't be talking about people behind their back. We wouldn't be gossiping. We wouldn't be slandering. We wouldn't be trying to make ourselves look better by putting someone else down. It just shouldn't be that way in the body of Christ. And so here's the, the verse. Go over to 1 John chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. And here's the key, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We need to regularly, moment by moment, choose to walk in the light. Choose to be truthful. Choose to not lie to one another. Sometimes you choose not to tell the truth because you're so afraid of what someone will think or someone will do, and you try to control the situation by lying about it. But I'm telling you right now, by lying about it, you're only making it worse because now you've got the situation and now you've got the consequences of lying to someone. And might I just put it this way? Lying gives the death blow to relationship. The breaking of trust separates even the closest of friends and I think it's in the Proverbs that, you know, an offended brother is hard to win over like a walled city. And I just plead with you, church, from the word of God, knowing that everything's open before God, that you would walk in truth with each other, that you wouldn't entertain the lies of someone else or get, jump into the mud of sin with someone. 
but rather point them to the Lord and give them the counsel of the word. It's for these reasons and many more, church, that here at Calvary Chapel, we are committed to the teaching of God's word. It is a commitment we will never veer from. The methodology that we use, because every church has a methodology, our methodology is to teach you the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, starting in Genesis, finishing in Revelation, and if the Lord doesn't come back, starting over again. Now, the, the timing of that here in this particular Calvary, we haven't been going all that fast through the Bible, but we've made our way through just about two-thirds of the Bible together. I haven't counted the books lately, but all of those studies, even if you haven't been with us in the last 19 years, all of those studies are posted on our website as well as our app, our free app. And so we have been through the Bible, and we're going to go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, until Jesus comes back. We are committed to the Word of God. When you come to church, you don't need the opinions of man. When you come to church, you don't need some, some other thing other than the Word of God. You don't, you don't need to be shown, you know, like, hey, let's do a series on all the popular movies and then see what the Bible has to say about it. No, you don't. When you come to church, that's the last thing you need is an R-rated movie. You need Jesus Christ. You need to hear the Word of God in your life. You need to be stirred up. Like, we are committed. I know other churches use other methods. I get this. And yes, I'm getting a little fired up, so calm down. But it breaks my heart because I deal with the difficulties of churches not giving the Word of God. I deal with the broken lives. That's, my, that's what God has called me to do. That's what my life is taken up with, ministering to people that have been crushed by being misused and mishandled by a church or a leadership that doesn't use the Word of God. Like when you come here and you ask for counsel, we're going to give you the Word of God. And if you don't like pastor number one and you go to pastor two, number two, they're going to tell you the same thing. And pastor three, they're going to tell you the same thing. And you get all the way up to me, I hope I tell you the same thing. And I hope you just listen, you know, personally, I just hope you listen to the first guy that talks to you because the counsel is the same because the Bible doesn't change. And here's what happens. And we see this happen here more often than not. Somebody will come in, they'll ask for advice, they'll ask for counsel, we give it to them, they don't like it. They might call back, get another pastor, they don't like it. Pastor number three, oh, I want to talk to Ed. I hear from me, they do, I give them the same counsel. So they go, forget this, I hate this church. They're not telling me what I want to hear. So then they go around town looking for a church until they finally find someone you know, maybe the issue is drunkenness. They go, well, you know what? The Bible says no drunkenness. So pastor two, no drunkenness. And then they find the church that has a drunken home fellowship. Yay, this is a church for me. We just bring our own whiskey and beer and let's get drunk with the Bible open. Listen, it's fulfillment of Bible prediction. Did you know that? That in the last days, because people's ears are tickling to hear what they want to hear, people will actually raise up for themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. That's in all of us. You know that. Because the Bible pierces all of us. The Bible cuts all of us. And there's just that sense sometimes where, you know, I just wish somebody would tell me what I want to hear. Well, you don't need to hear what you want to hear. You need to hear the Word of God. And we're committed to it. That even today, if you're visiting today, well, you know what? I don't want that kind of church. But then a year later, you come back. I hope we're doing the same. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you come back in another year, I'll tell you one thing. We're still going to be in Hebrews. It's going to take us some time. So you come back and go, man, these guys are still in Hebrews? Yes, there's a lot of words and chapters in Hebrews. Because we're going to finish it all from beginning to end in its context, in the entirety of the scriptures. We're going to cover every truth in it. And we're going to give you God's word. 
It's my responsibility. I think it's every pastor's responsibility, but it's my personal responsibility as a pastor teacher to study the word of God in prayer. That's my primary responsibility, just like in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. It's not my responsibility to take care of all the needs of the church, that God would give us elders and deacons and pastors and leaders to take care of the needs. But I have to not leave the word of God in prayer to serve tables, but I have to study the word of God for you and spend a lot of time doing it and make sure that I'm handling the word of God in a way that I can deliver the word that will move you to action and obedience to God, to remind you of his love and his grace and his goodness, to bring us all to a place where we desire to follow him with all of our lives. And I'm committed to do that. And you know, it takes a lot of endurance to do that. You know, I'm, there's a lot of drama in church for a pastor, a lot of difficulty in church for a pastor, a, a lot of craziness, a, a lot of warfare, a lot of attacks, a lot of things, but I've committed and resolved over and over and over again to deal with the drama, to deal with the difficulties, to deal with all of the backlash and all of the warfare, to make sure and to set aside my own agenda and my, to die to myself so that I might fulfill my calling in your life. If it's for a week or a month or a year or you're here until the coming of the Lord, it is my commitment to you to teach you the Bible, to apply it in your life, and to give it to you week after week, m- month after month, year after year. We will not veer from that. Ever, never, ever. It will be the word of God on which our lives are built here at this church. That's all you're going to get. You're you're not going to get anything else. And if you do, don't accept it. Only the word of God will give you strength. No spiritual growth comes apart from the word of God. No substantive change comes comes apart from the word of God. The spirit of God working through the word of God in the people of God. That is the way it's always been, and that's the way it always will be. It's my responsibility, you, you know, like, like a restaurant, like taking the word of God and preparing a good meal for you so you might feast and feed on the word of God. And so, you know, there's those good parts of the Bible. You can equate that to, you know, it's Labor Day, so you have a barbecue right now, and you're like, man, I'm just going to barbecue a nice big steak. Except for you vegans and everything, you have a substitute, so... I'll make that for you too. I don't know what it is, but it's probably got beans and leaves and other things in it. So we'll make that for you too, because I know some of you have to eat that way. But, but for the most part, you got this nice steak, exactly what you want. And it's, it, you know, the meat of the word. It's uh, just the things that we know we love. You know, we love God loves us. He's filled with grace toward us. And all of the wonderful things that we receive, the easier things to receive. But then on the same plate, you know, there's the mashed potato. There's the sweet potato fries. There's that side. But then in the corner, I don't know how big your corner is, but mine's very, very small. You have the place where is reserved for peas. So peas are nasty. They're not, they, when you put them in your mouth and they're just, they're green, they're all wrinkled like your hands when you're in the pool and you're just like, peas? But you know, peas want them. And then, and then there's a little space there for peas and, and broccoli. Broccoli, that looks like a deformed tree and just like, like, what's that doing on my plate? And then of course, there are the stunted growth cabbages, <laughs> Brussels sprouts, the nastiest vegetable in the whole wide world. What, parents, what are you doing to your kids? <laughs> Sometimes there's something you take, it just doesn't look good, doesn't taste good. And I know some of you go, well, Ed, if you put enough butter on it, then I'll eat it. Okay, I'll, I'll put the butter on it for you, but it's still what it is. 
And there are parts of the Bible that just pierce to the heart, aren't there? And I'm not going to hesitate to share them with you. Not because I don't like you, but because I do like you and I love you. And someone that loves you will tell you the truth. And we'll go through the whole Bible together. You know, the Bible pierces me as much as it pierces you. You know, I have to go through these studies long before you ever hear them. And the Lord just ministering to me and speaking to my heart and speaking to me where I'm at. These studies are for our church. And this is my church. This is part of my church. I'm a part of the body here. And it's, I'm committed. You just have to know. If you're listening on the radio and you're looking for a church that teaches the Bible, we're going to teach the Bible. We're not going to get away from it. We're not going to go away from it. All of the different trends, all of the different programs, all the different weirdness that enters into churches, we commit here at Calvary to hold fast to the Word of God because it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm, I'm living proof that the Spirit of God, using the Word of God through the people of God, He changed my life. I am new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the same is true for you. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in Hebrews. We hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we also offer the program by podcast. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Pastor Ed, we've been talking about the Bible and how it is living and powerful. Now, here's a question for you. As you know, there are many different translations of the Bible out there. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners who want something that's easy to understand and accurate? You know, Larry, there's so many Bible translations today that people get confused over it, don't they? Uh, Not sure which one to use. From a teaching perspective here at Calvary, for 21 years, we have used the New King James And I like the New King James because it does something that no other translations do, and that is take both of the popular manuscripts and put them together with footnotes so that nothing's missing. And I really encourage you to choose a translation like the New King James or the ESV for that accurate translation of the Bible word for word. But for an easy, introductory, street language, common language translation, I love the New Living Translation. It's known as the NLT, New Living Translation. I even, and still praying to some degree, but I even thought about switching over to the NLT for my teaching ministry for the sake of understandability for those that are listening in, because we live in such a biblically illiterate culture, and it's getting more and more. And so I tried. I, t- I taught the book of Daniel in the NLT, and it was great, uh, because I still studied from the more word-for-word. I study the original language and the tools that I have. But the NLT has a way of putting things that will be quickly and more immediately relatable in our English language. So like my friend Pastor Gino Dracy likes to say, uh, when he's asked this question on his radio broadcast, he likes to say, get the translation that you will read the most. And so we use here the New King James, uh, the NLT I use a lot. And you know, when you pick up something like the message, where somebody may recommend the message to you, just be careful because that's not a translation. That's just one man's opinion of the text, and it's not in any way trying to be a word for word. So be careful on some of those. Same with the 
amplified version where they add a bunch of different words. It's not necessarily a word for word. So you got to understand the version for what it is. So thanks for asking. Great question. And I just pray that people, you guys listening in, the folks that are listening in right now would read their Bible every day. Great suggestions there, Ed. Thanks. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace, and you're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Groeschel. Do you struggle with your thought life? Maybe it seems out of control. There is a way to break free from this destructive thinking, and that is by letting God's truth become your battle plan to win the war in your mind. You'll learn how in this wonderful book. Again, ask for a copy of Winning the War in Your Mind when you call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Hebrews on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.